Welcome, everyone, to an all-new episode of Talking the Last of Us. We are moving right along to episode three. We just discussed episode one and two. And let me tell you, episode three is a real tearjerker. So uh, we are definitely going to get into this. But let's recap just a little bit about where we are. We know that Joel and Tess and Ellie <clears throat> embarked off of the Fedra reservation, as it were, uh, out of Fedra jurisdiction, and uh, they're off to give Ellie over to the Fireflies out west. Uh, we met the Cordyceps. Yes! We sort of understand. Tori. No! Uh, Tori. Tori. Oh, wait. Tori. Mute your mic. There you go. Okay. Uh, I'm so we... sorry. I'm so sorry. I thought it was muted. Oh okay. my gosh. Okay. My bad. We we know that Joel and we know that uh, Tess are very committed to going to find Joel's brother Tommy out west as well. Uh, we have a whole lot of things going on with the world that post-apocalypse is definitely falling apart. Falling apart much faster than I thought, actually, that it would. 20 years without people in it has really left the world in ruin. Um, I want to introduce my cast here, my guests, but I also want to let you know that on this particular podcast, we are definitely going to talk spoilers for the series. So if you haven't seen the episodes that we're talking about, definitely this might not be the time. Log off after you've seen it. Come back. Uh, and we are going to talk a little bit about how things differ from the game. So if you haven't played the game, but you're thinking about it, um, we're going to have a little bit of spoilers for that, too. Um, I also want to say that during the first and the second episodes of The Last of Us, we got a really good, I think, view of how the show wants to honor the game. And they do so in a number of different ways, both from the points of view shots that we have that just come straight from the game, and also some of the really interesting I would say sound mixing ideas that kind of come around. Uh, episode one was just pitch perfect for that. Uh, episode two kind of walks us a little bit further into the immersiveness of the world, what the cordyceps are, how they work, that they have a hive mind. That is super interesting. Um, how scary they can be and how fast they can be uh, and how no one is really assured a guaranteed spot on this show. Uh, it's pretty scary. We saw that Tess died in a way that she sacrificed herself, asked Joel to get Ellie out west, and we know that Ellie may have the secret in her blood to ending the apocalypse. Uh, well, at least ending the cordyceps problem. Um, uh, there's some interesting ideas going on here. So without further ado, let me introduce my cast, and then we are going to talk about episode three, which is a definite departure from the game. So everything is kind of new and wonderful and shiny and also horribly sad. And yes, we'll get into all of that. Uh, let me introduce Kinte first. Kinte, how are you tonight? I'm doing good. Just trying to survive here in the, up during the apocalypse. So you're very much the Joel character. Yeah, yeah. Are you ready to talk about uh, Frank and um, and Bill? Oh yeah, yeah. Right. I, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I was okay, born. I'm, I'm I'm going to ask you an out of the gate question after I introduce Tori. So uh, be ready for a hard one here. Uh, okay. Tori, how are you tonight? 
I'm fantastic. I'm really uh, mellow. I'm really, you know what I mean? Like I'm in a good mood. Um, I'm also really excited about talking about this. I like this show. I do. And I wish that I played the video game. So maybe I should go play the video game. Uh, the video games are amazing, excellent, and anyone who has ever played either The Last of Us 1 or 2, and most people haven't played 2 without playing 1, uh, leave that experience changed people, and for really good reason. Um, it was one of the most exceptional titles that I have seen in... I don't, I don't even know how long. It just absolutely hits everybody to the core. Yeah, it really speaks to you, like, personally. Like, it's, yep. it's like, a very relatable, you know what I mean? Like, you, this could really happen. Like, Although I will say that I'm really glad that in the game there is, uh, there are the choices that you make. I'm also really glad that in the series there is a lot less crouching than in the game. So good for them that they didn't uh -huh. add so much of that. Okay, uh, Kinte, I'm going to ask you a question right off the top here. And, uh, the, you know, forgive me if this is kind of hard right off the top, but okay. uh, as an overall feel, and without jumping too far ahead, give me a 1 to 10 on how you felt this episode, episode 3, did in terms of conveying a sense of world building for the last of us. Oh, 10. This is a, uh, this is one of the better episodes of television in a long time. Uh, it was excellent. Uh, and, and it felt, it felt monumental when you're watching it. I mean, I saw it obviously when it aired. So it was before the hype. I'm glad I saw it before the hype. Right. You know, uh, so I felt that way before I heard any, you know, anybody else say it, you know, um, it was just, it was phenomenal. It was, uh, it was at first I was like, oh, okay. Is it, they're just going to do like a bunch of flashbacks. Like at first I was, I thought that maybe that's where it was going. And then when you realize what was, you know, what, what was ahead, um, it was just excellent in, in many ways. So I'm going to interject uh, a small thing before I ask Tori the same question. But, um, you know, uh, one of the things that I actually read, which is just so stunning to me, is that somehow this particular episode was trying to be sort of the show's prestige TV episode. That this was the episode that was like fishing for an award or something. Um, I actually really disagree. And I I'll tell you why. Although it's award worthy and it is definitely in that uh in in the realm of what people classify as prestige tv but for anybody who doesn't know uh on every other podcast that i've ever done i have railed against the whole term prestige tv i hate it so much but okay let's put that aside for a second um this episode absolutely narrates without talking about joel and ellie exactly the feel that the whole rest of the game with Joel and Ellie is. It sets up everything that is going to happen in the game and thereby the series perfectly. Um, and we'll get into why in one second. Uh, 
Tori, tell me, what did you think about this episode altogether? What one to 10, what was your feel for it? Yeah, 10. It was so great. Like, I saw it before all the hype, too. And it kind of made me feel like when everybody else saw it, they're like, oh my God. It kind of made me feel like. Looking private chat, Jen. Sorry. (laughs) Um, I really thought that, like, Oh God, I lost my train of thought. Sorry, Kinsey. <laughs> uh, well, uh, tell tell me, Tori. Tell me what you what did you like about this episode specifically? What 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 p- particular piece did you find to be the most compelling? Was it the love story, or was it something else? Was it something else that had to do with world building? I want to say that I was more uh, interested in how the virus started and how it spread and the how the infected were and how they were being dealt with, the government. Like, I liked that aspect of it only because the love story, man, love story is you, you get your heart broken all the time. You're like, well, you, lo- you love somebody and then they die and you're like, God. Well, okay, so I, I do feel... <laughs> Okay, so, uh, you know, taking a quick pause here, I do think that this is exactly the point of episode three. The show is called, or the show's title is Long, Long Time. And that is a reference to the song by Linda Ronstadt, Long, Long Time, and just sort of a little extra detail. Uh, Apparently, Linda Ronstadt's music has gone to the top of the charts on Spotify and many other music list services. It's amazing. And, uh, you know, if you haven't heard Linda Ronstadt's music, um, it's actually really good anyway, just by itself. But every time I now hear this song, I literally want to cry. Um, So let me give you sort of just the quick recap of the episode, and then we can sort of dive into it. We find Bill, who is a character in the game, by the way. And he is basically the, the, the outbreak happens and he goes to Home Depot and a number of different places to gather his supplies. That is smart. He should have already had the supplies, but well, nobody knew that the zombie apocalypse was going to happen, but he is definitely a prepper. He has spent a lot of time in his life, uh, I would just say being very prepared for things. His, arsenal of guns is absolutely astounding um and that was <laughs> i loved it blow, yeah that blew me away um but he knows what to do and that's the thing he understands that in order to survive he's going to have to really wall off a, a section for himself of the world and he does so by building these large fences and then creating these traps and the traps are truly ingenious um he has an electrified fence he has flamethrowers he has pits where people can basically fall into if they're not paying attention and it appears to serve him pretty well because we get a time jump and after that time jump we see that bill has actually caught someone in his hole (laughs) and the person that he catches in there is frank now when we first are introduced to frank uh i don't feel like we are supposed to know specifically anything about him other than he is trying to get to uh, a federal location i i feel like this sort of shows us that you know there are still a lot of uninfected out there that are kind of wandering aimlessly and they don't know where to go or they've heard that there are places to go and um 
they're still searching for the right place for them. Um, I, you know, this is this is one of those sort of uh, murky details, which you, maybe in the scheme of things now don't doesn't seem to make a whole lot of difference. But eventually, as we start to travel across the country, it does kind of matter um, because you sort of understand how people become more cliquish and join groups and then stick together that way if they're not uh, under federal quarantine or if they're not sort of um, involved in one location or other. And throughout The Last of Us, this is definitely a key metric people want to group together. People want companionship. People want the stability of being with other people. And that is no different really for Bill, except Bill is on his own. As a survivalist, he has not had anyone else with him for a really long time. And so he meets Frank. Frank convinces him to feed him let him take a shower. Um, who knows how long it's been since Frank has taken a shower. And sort of experience some comforts, including playing the piano, a bunch of things, right? Okay, one thing I want to point out, it's just a detail that's bothering me. How do people take showers or anything in the apocalypse? Do they have a direct line to the electric? You know what I mean? Like plumbing? Bill like has generators. Bill okay. has generators. Okay. And yeah, and that that's kind of a big part of the episode. He we they we really go through and learn. Oh, you know what I forgot about? Yeah, I about... think I, I missed that part. Because <laughs> I was like, how is they I I didn't understand how they were. Bill's a survivalist that. and uh right. he has definitely given this much thought. So he very clearly has created systems for himself that include just everything that he needs to survive. Bill is a prepper without any, yeah, there's, there's no question that he's really good at what he does. Um, so, uh, you know, the episode continues to move on. And as the episode moves on, we have a, a strong understanding of the relationship that's beginning to form between Bill and Frank. Um, they establish themselves as a couple and it, feels very endearing uh but unlikely like just wow what an odd couple to have together um and at the same time it also feels like this is the most natural thing in the world um and again i'm just giving an overview we're going to talk a little bit more in depth about all these things in one second um the there is a scene in the middle of our episode where Rebel, uh, not rebels, I'm sorry, it, raiders try to invade the area that Bill and Frank have walled off for themselves, and it doesn't go very well. But Bill ends up being shot. And at that point, it does feel like, well, maybe this is the end for Bill. And, you know, we just saw Tess die in the last episode, so it doesn't feel like it's that far off. But just as we think that Bill is going to die, we get another time jump and we see Frank and Bill together. Older, Frank has clearly had some health issues and Bill is now in the role of being Frank's caregiver. It's absolutely endearing. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. Uh, and then I'm going to save the ending of this episode for what we're going to talk about sort of as we go. But basically the gist of this episode is this 
relationship between Bill and Frank and what is happening both to them and the world outside. Because an, uh, one of the important aspects of this episode is they meet Joel and Tess and what that kind of means both for Joel as he is now on his way to meet Bill and also what has sort of happened during all of the time that uh, the apocalypse has been going on. So let's get into all of that. Um, so one quick thing is, Kinte, do you remember in episode uh, one when the radio was going off and uh, Joel was talking about the codes? Are you back, Kinte? Yeah, I remember that. There we go. Okay. Uh, and and do you remember what the codes were? No. Oh, okay. Well, uh, so the codes in for the radio on The Last of Us were uh, an interesting little uh, segue into episode three, where he said if there's that basically there's like a um, a series of events that can happen when you hear these different radio codes and during episode three, we kind of get uh, another shout out to that because you, you hear what it is that Frank kind of comes up with whimsically to say, okay, you know, if you hear this, then you'll know it means this. Um, and I thought that that was just so super awesome. I really liked that little touch. It was just such an excellent touch. Um, the, um, I, I wanted to go through just real quickly that um, the the songs that were in I think it's this I think he said in the songs in the seventies. Um, uh, well, you know what I, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop because I'm gonna actually say what some of this stuff is in a little bit. Um, uh, let me ask Kinte um, just in terms of how you thought about the relationship between Bill and Frank began with Frank meeting Bill. Did you think that that was actually going to turn into something, or what were your thoughts immediately? I kind of thought they were going towards him being some kind of plant or some sort of uh, enemy all the way up until when he was playing the piano. I I was sitting there thinking maybe he was going to attack him. You know, uh, obviously yeah. I didn't know about about Bill and Frank in the game, so I I wasn't um quite sure. And then I started getting um hookup vibes, right. uh, and then, uh, then right. it turned out to be what what it turned out to be. You know. So he sings. Uh, Bill actually sings the song that ends up being the. Uh, sort of super important song at the end on the piano at the in that moment and it man that I don't know I don't know why that was so haunting but god that was haunting I really liked that I thought it was great this is the second time in two episodes that a piano seems to uh be important to us mm. um remember in the second episode there was also a piano in that flooded out area um but it's right huh yeah I half expected the frog to be playing the piano but no it didn't um okay uh, to, uh okay let me ask this question sort of as a follow-up question to that once you realized that bill and frank were actually a couple tell me what you thought about how they were experiencing everything that was happening in terms of what the apocalypse was and how it like both seriously affected them and seriously didn't affect them yeah you know, you know um I mean? Yeah, I would say that it was interesting because based on other programs and movies we've seen, 
no one seems to have a, a good long run in one place without disaster happening. And to be honest with you, if you think about it, he had a really good run, uh, Bill did. Absolutely. It, it was only like the, the one real incident. At least that's the only one they showed us. And um, uh, he was able to live virtually in peace with uh, Frank uh, and before Frank came for such a long time to the to the fact where he was they were able to plant strawberries and you know <laughs> right right, right. You know? so uh and you know strawberries are not easy to plant like you gotta uh do it especially oh, no we are, we're growing strawberries right now and they're yeah. they take a long time to grow yeah they're, they're like and and also the the idea that those strawberry seeds actually came from a trade that frank made with tess is kind of important right that is it kind of gives you the level of what frank saw as being important he wasn't just like trading oh you know here's some knives or something that might be really no he was asking for strawberry seeds mm -hmm. and they were strawberry seeds to have strawberries with bill like that's what he was finding to be important in the at the end of the world that i don't know yeah. there was something really poignant about that to me and the, and the two actors uh that played in this episode uh bill and frank fan first of all perfectly cast and uh they were phenomenal uh, yeah absolutely and uh, you know uh, the very unlikely in these roles mm. i mean i would not have expected this caliber of performance out of a comedian <laughs> i mean not in this role no, I, I kinda, uh, he's kind of played character similar i feel yeah. like but in a comedic way but I, I'm not surprised that he was. He's a fantastic actor. I, 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 he's probably underrated. I, I, I'm oh, definitely underrated. I completely agree with that. Um, in in the in the interim scene, you know, his when, wife, Megan Mullally, uh, um, was the one that convinced him to do it because uh, she read the script. And she said, you're getting your butt on a plane to, uh, I think they shoot in Calgary. Uh, mm -hmm. He read the script and said, and said, you got to do this. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. He's, I heard um, him say in the interview. Uh, Nick Offerman is. Nick Offerman, those, sorry. Yeah. He's, he's definitely one of those. Um, he's definitely one of those. He's, I don't know how even how to describe it. Um, it full of surprises. I guess that's maybe the best way to say it. Just full of surprises. Very similar I, to I, I was very, I was very convinced that these two were an actual couple. I mean, even the part about them arguing in, in the middle of the episode about something so trivial as mowing the lawns. You know, no, we don't have enough gas. And Frank being Yes, we absolutely. This is this is about me. This is about what I want to do. This is uh, like it just felt so organically real. Like, yeah, this is what couples argue about, you know, without it being overly dramatic and overly contentious, which is in such stark contrast to what clearly is going on around them. I absolutely thought that that was amazing. Um, Tori, give me your opinion of what you thought Bill and Frank sort of represented 
um, in terms of how, you, like, what you thought about them together as a couple and how you felt that relationship kind of built up and ultimately culminated in. Right. I loved it. You know, whenever Frank was first caught, I thought he was going to kill him. Like, I thought he was going to kill him, you know? He caught him in the hole, you know? And then Frank convinces him. And I'm probably thinking, uh, Bill's thinking in his head, man, this guy's attractive. I don't really want to kill him, you know? <laughs> so he doesn't kill him. And then, of course, they hook up. You know, because that's what you do when you're in the middle of nowhere in a zombie apocalypse. That's what you do. I don't know. <laughs> I, I thought it was really interesting that um, that Frank knew had enough uh, peace of mind, uh, enough cool to be able to humanize himself in front of Bill and say, right. you know, who he was, uh, where he was from, the fact that he had plans and, you know, he that he wasn't a nothing. In other words, like make Bill see him as a person instead of making him see just be another person caught in one of Bill's traps. Because right. you can clearly tell that Bill is, you know, this isn't this isn't Bill's first rodeo. I mean, right. he's not just a skilled inventor. He is absolutely the I'm if I'm going to survive, I can't trust anyone. And it, it's so clear that that is one, how he feels. One thing that like got me is like the the argument with the lawn. Mm -hmm. It felt like it felt like organic. That's what couples do. But it felt like he was Bill was a little delusional. Do you know what I mean? Like they were being delusional. They're in their, they're in their nice happy place, and they have their their lawn mowers, and that's their biggest problem right now, right? Well, uh, you know, the, the the this is this is another sort of central theme, I think, as much as possible, because as you get further and further into the game, it becomes harder and harder to make this make sense. But for right now, what we had was two people trying to be as normal as possible, live a normal existence. And part of living a normal existence, and we see this uh, in quite a few other places in this episode, is understanding and enjoying the simple pleasures of art, of growing things, of being present in, um, in the moment, and not thinking about the terrors of the world that are outside. That feels like, uh, again, a really strong and overarching theme to the last of us as just, this is exactly what it's about. You have to find the small spaces in the world to exist and find some amount of happiness or you won't survive. Right. Um, and you this is to, also where, you have to find ahead. your, you have to, you have to find your own peace. Whoever yep. yeah. you worship, whatever you do, you have to calm yourself down in this situation because your body's going to freak out and your mind's going to shut down and you're not going to know what to do. And Bill and Frank definitely give that to each other. Um, yeah. Let's let's talk a little bit. Kinte, give me um, give me your give me your assessment about why you thought that this episode was so good because uh, you know there's a. Obviously, there's a lot of things in here. There are, you know, Joel and Tess come to visit Bill and Frank, and they strike up a friendship. Clearly, Frank 
really wants to be with other people. And, um, and when I say be with other people, I mean, he wants to entertain, he wants to engage in social dialogue, and he really does hit it off with Tess. Bill and Joel are definitely two sides of the same coin. And for that, they do not trust each other. They just, you know, and Joel even says, look, I, I get it. I understand, but you're going to need us. So let's just dispense with the, you know, who's the bigger man and put the gun away and let's, you know, really get down to brass tacks. I loved that, but I don't feel like that was, even though that was a central point to the episode to introduce us so that we know that Joel has already met Bill and it gives Joel the incentive to go see Bill um I don't feel like that was the whole point of this episode and I'm just wondering as someone who hasn't played the game what you thought about what the point of this episode was uh, I believe that the point of this episode was to to establish um to the audience what the cost of living is what what it's like to have your own piece of sunshine in you know in the dark times and i think it was important to show the whole through line of these characters um the the way that bill is portrayed in the in the uh video game is really cool I, you know um but it's vastly different and i think it works great for the video game and what they did in this was was better for the this is one of those situations where they made the appropriate change and um by showing this through line uh of the whole bill situation it really shows that it, it, i think it tells the audience like what is most important is surviving is it surviving or living you get what i'm saying yeah and yeah before yeah. before frank he was surviving but when when uh, Frank came into his life, he began to live. Exactly, and and I I definitely think that the other uh, the other the other through line here is has to do with found family. It has to do with there is always the option in this world to find someone that you can care about, and sometimes the consequences to finding someone that you care about are dire. They, I mean, it leads to dire choices yourself. And that, I think, is the core of this episode. The core of this episode boils down to the entire episode happens, and it's glorious. I mean, it's really a beautiful episode. The, the fact that two people could care about each other on this level at this time, under this amount of duress and stress, uh, is absolutely astounding. But it comes down to the end of the episode where we see that Frank has made a choice that he does not want to go on living. And I, I mean, first of all, that's a hard choice, even no matter how you slice it up, it's a hard choice. But he's made this choice and he tells Bill, I need for you to buy into this. I need you to understand that this is my choice. I want to leave on my own terms. And that does feel very incredibly powerful and profound. Um, and the fact that Bill goes along with it also feels like, okay, uh, you know, that can't be easy. And they spend a wonderful day together. It just, I mean, I can't even begin to explain how fabulous the storytelling is on that account but by the time that we realize uh, let me back up for one second 
in the game, we only see Frank as a corpse. We never see Frank. So we have no idea really what Frank's character, so to speak, is like. This episode gives us a fully uh, everything. A I'm 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 struggling with the word to say about what this sort of does because it's more than just character exposition. It's more than just background. It's more it's something like Frank has taken a spot in in the series that he didn't have in the game, but what an amazing addition to the Last of Us lore to have this as who Frank was. Bill, we have a better idea of who Bill is. You know, there's conversations, there's Joel giving us some information, there's we, you know, know that there's smuggling going back and forth. It's a it's a big thing. But as far as we know in the game, uh, Bill is still alive. So that's a little bit different. But here we have Frank who ultimately meets his demise at his own hand. And then we have this choice by Bill. And I'm going to go back to you again, Kinte, and tell me what you thought about that. And did you get like any hint early that that's what he was going to choose? I, I mean, like I'm struck between, and sometimes I have a hard time with this particular episode because of course, you know, I want to keep talking about what it is that makes The Last of Us The Last of Us, but I also feel like this particular episode was just so good as a standalone piece of art that it's sometimes hard for me not to want to just call out the filmmaking and storytelling for what it was. It was so incredibly hefty in every single aspect. And I, I'm I'm not sure how you felt, but when you saw that that was what Bill's choice was, how did you feel about it, or what were you thinking, and did you have any idea that that's what he was going to choose? Um, yeah, I, I felt like that he was going to go with him because he he gave him everything that was worth to live for. So without Frank, I mean, what was he going to be like without him? You know? Yeah, yeah. That was, you know, I, I mean, can you picture? Let's say he didn't go with him. He'd eventually killed himself. But see, if you but see if you played the game <clears throat> and you only saw Frank's corpse, you never would have guessed that Bill was going to kill himself. Well, no, I mean that's yeah, but I didn't. So I'm only going yeah. off. I, I saw that later. You know, I, I, I right. watched it right after, and you, all you see is him. Uh, he had you know uh, Frank then hung himself, right? Because I think I, be, I believe it was because he was uh, bit, right? Y yeah, that's why he ended up hanging himself. But um, and uh, it's actually the way that, the way it is too. It's not like sad or anything. It's kind of like I don't want to say it's played for laughs. It's just kind of like you just see him hanging there, and you're just like, it's, I don't know. It's, it's, it's definitely it, not. It's, 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 not, it's it. incidental to the story. Right. It's 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 important, but it's incidental. It doesn't. That was my partner. That was my partner. Yeah, yeah. It's not like you have to delve into it in order to understand Bill at all. It's just sort of there, and that's why I'm saying that this was such a huge addition to the lore that really helped to flesh it out. I mean, it really was like I, I don't know how I can look at the Last of Us the same with Bill in it and not be thinking about this story 
Right. Um, you, it's just like, okay, well, you know, this is how Frank was. This is exactly what it was. Um, it, it actually makes The Last of Us, the game, even more sad if you think that Bill is still alive and that's actually what really happened, that Frank decided to uh, commit suicide and that they had had that kind of relationship as they, it makes it really sad. Um, okay. Uh, I, I, I want to sort of go backwards just a tiny bit. Um, and specifically, I want to address this to Kinte again. Uh, how did you feel about Joel and Tess and Frank and Bill meeting on that day, that beautiful sunny day when they were sitting on the lawn? Because for me, it almost felt sublime. Like, let's have a tea party in the garden and it's the apocalypse. <laughs> I mean, like, it almost felt like, wow, this is really breathtaking. What did no, you think? I, thought, I thought that was cool. And I, it was cool to see Tess again, you know, mm -hmm. like, and I wonder if we'll see her more through, as it goes on. But I thought that was really cool because we, you know, the way I, I was kind of glad that if that's the last that we see of Tess, it's better than the last that we saw of her in the pre previous episode, you know. To That's see a her in a, in a better, you know, um, situation. But I thought that was excellent. I thought it was good. And I love how they ran off. And then they just left, uh, you know, um, uh, Joel and um, and uh, Bill the, the chat. And I, I like mm -hmm. the I, I like when he when he tells uh, Joel tells him, don't point the gun. Yeah, don't point yeah. that gun at me. <laughs> that, th that's what I was saying before about, uh, you know, hey. Uh, put the gun away and let's actually talk because yeah. this isn't going to work. And I, I feel like part of that is just that, you know, Joel recognizes in Bill this kind of like uh, kinship. You know, yeah, I know what you're about. I'm there myself, man. You can't, you're not going to pull any punches on me. Right. Um, I Just in terms of how this set up uh, what you think life is like for most people in the apocalypse, clearly we aren't supposed to believe that this is the way that it is for most people. And I would like to just, you know, briefly mention that in the beginning of this episode, Joel and Ellie are on the road and they see in the ditch people that Fedra killed because either there wasn't enough room where they were going or something else happened. It seems to, to me that Joel is saying there probably wasn't enough room and that's why everybody, you know, was shot. But everybody that's in the ditch is, they're the people that we see getting loaded on the truck at the very beginning of the yeah. episode, right? Um, I, I would just like to mention that while this episode is definitely a slice of heavenly life where bill and frank have built this fortress or where bill built this fortress to exist in um this is definitely not typical of anything else that's really in the in the walking dead in the in the last of us um in the sense that until you know we start moving a bit forward creature comforts are not really part of this world so to see the creature comforts that they have here is kind of a big deal um and i just kind of wanted to mention that because i i actually had a talk with some people who hadn't played the game at all and said well 
if Bill and Frank have built this, then maybe lots of other people have built something just like it. And I feel like that's kind of, I mean, it's nice. It's a good idea, but that fantasy doesn't really play itself out because Bill's really special. Bill is an inventor. Bill is absolutely a prepper. He a hundred percent had everything that he needed to have in order to make this space work. And on top of it, uh, Bill had Joel to do a lot of his, you know, smuggling back and forth. But, and but, but also in the video game, Bill's um, where Bill lives is horrifying. In comparison. It is. It's yeah, like, it, it's, it's it not is. like there. It's like a, a, a walk in the park. It's like, it's like la di da di da. It's a in little garden utopia. In the video game, it's like they're all over the place. Those monsters are all over the place. So he doesn't have like uh he doesn't he can't just walk around eating strawberries yep. in, in the he, video he, game. <laughs> you know. Yeah, he he Bill Bill set himself up a fortress that is horrifying. I mean, it's right. really bad. And they try to sort of like give a shout out to it by showing us the traps that Bill built, but it really doesn't do it justice <laughs> because right, no. it's bad. It's just yeah. really bad. Because when I because when the, as soon as that episode was off. I wanted to see, and then when I saw the whole Bill and Frank saga, mm -hmm. and I was like, uh, I was like, oh, this ain't like the the TV uh, show. Like, nope. Nope. <laughs> I was like, yeah, because he's like, they're barely getting killed, you know, or almost getting killed. And then in the funny scene where they're um, pushing the, the the in the game, the truck. pushing the truck, and right. um, yeah, it's it's pretty funny. Yeah. And and the fact that Bill still hasn't like buried Frank is like okay. Like, yeah. you know, you think I'm, I'm, you know, no, no shade being thrown to the game, but yeah, that really bothers me. Like, you know, look, take 10 minutes and we'll all sit by and we'll just have like a tiny little funeral for Frank. Thanks. One small ritual in the apocalypse that I'm totally down for. Um, mm -hmm. okay. So that's something Tori would do. She wouldn't bury, she'd just go move on. I ain't burying nobody. Oh my gosh, I am very, I'm very sentimental. Actually, I'm very yeah. sentimental. No, no sign of the cross. Nothing. She's just like I'm. Let's move yeah, on. I was, I was raised Catholic. My great aunt was a nun, so I went to a convent whenever I was 15 because I was bad. <laughs> so I oh, know no. all about yeah. So I know all about religion and. Tori, what did you think about the what did you think about the, okay, you think about the raiders? Tori. Okay, Mother Tori. Mother huh? Tori. <clears throat> Tori, what did you think about those raiders that uh that attacked the the fortress when well attacked the the little mini oasis of Frank and Bill's? <laughs> um yeah. well, what did you think see part of me was like and again, you know, this is not game lore, we're just talking series. Um part of me was like, you know, probably the reason that they continued to survive there is because after that first raid, I guarantee anybody who wanted to attack that place was having some serious second thoughts because the number of people, first of all, that died in that raid were, it's, that was astounding. And number two, the, the horrible way that they died. Yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I can't imagine that anybody's going, Oh yeah, let's go raid this place because you know, no wonder they survived for so he long. Pro yeah. Know? Probably, you know, word got out, leave those people the hell alone. You know, um, I thought, I was rooting for Bill, you know, like I was like, oh, my God, come on. That's a fortress, you know, and he really he really did not disappoint. 
I'll tell you what. Like, all, all those Raiders died. I, I thought it was like, I want to say one thing about how I feel about the the game. Like, uh, well, not the game, the show. Whenever, um, it's like Alexandria and The Walking Dead. Like, all the houses are nice. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, all the houses are nice. And uh, uh, now they have this oasis in this in this series. I feel like it's like the same thing. They feel safe there. They feel, you know, that's their home. That's They're defending their home right now. That's what I felt like. Right, right. And and that actually, I think, is also another pretty key aspect. And this is one of the reasons I keep saying that I feel like this particular episode is sort of a um, an altogether mash of all the things that are important in The Last of Us in one episode. Um, the idea that home is so important is a huge, it, it, it plays a big part in sort of what you consider to be safety and what you don't consider to be safety. Um, how you view what safety really is. And then also this idea of just because something looks safe does not mean that it is safe. Right. That is also an enormous part of the game. Things that look safe are not safe. And, you know, let's not forget, uh, the game is meant to be a, it's a game it's not i mean yes it's got a huge story attached to it but it's a video game so your ability to do things in the game is very much game metrics right you know can you shoot can you uh can you crouch <laughs> can you hide can you sneak can you figure things out like these are the important parts of the game itself when we are watching the series we're kind of getting a a piece of both together. And that, I think, is sometimes uh, both frustrating and also relieving. Like, to me, it's actually less stressful to watch the series, even though it's awesome and I realize that a lot of, you know, crazy stuff is about to happen. Um, it's so much less stressful because I'm, <laughs> I'm not feeling like I'm under such duress in every moment that's going on. Um, just uh, sort of as we kind of close this episode out, I want to obviously talk uh, a bit about how Joel and Ellie end up at Bill's house and then what happens. So, um, Kinte, tell us what happens when Bill, I'm sorry, tell us what happens when Joel and Ellie end up at Bill and Frank's house. Oh, uh, they, they go in and, uh, he knows the gate code and, um, they go in and uh, to the main house, and what happens is uh, the the note is left behind that Bill leaves to uh, Joel, saying that you know that he is uh, if you're reading this he's deceased and to don't go into the bedroom because it's probably going to be a bad smell even though we left the the, the window open and <laughs> right. uh, you know and uh, that's when they are. He tells them everything that's there is his and to take care of Tess, because obviously he didn't know that Tess was was uh, deceased. And, right. And, and they don't go crazy. They just take what they need and uh, and then they move on and drive off. So, uh, yes. 
and then yeah. the 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 thing the thing that always sort of gets me about this particular episode in both in relation to the game but just you know in series progression is here's the thing that Joel has been trying to find for so long which is the car battery and he figures out how to get everything that he needs for the car battery and um th there is this moment when they're sort of gathering everything together and let's not leave out that uh you know joel gives ellie the kind of thumbs down about grabbing a gun but mm -hmm. in the end ellie gets a gun anyway right because that ends up being important um but let's not you know let's not forget that joel when he's like pulling everything together um you know he doesn't take the whole arsenal right right he takes what he needs yeah, and that definitely feels like something that a zombie that the apocalypse survivor would do. You only take what you need because anything else will just weigh you down. They they right? take they, they talk about it in the forums, right? Like they that's what they talk about is what they need to do in a zombie apocalypse. Like these people take it seriously. And and you're only you can't you can't weigh yourself down with so much stuff that you then can't be functional with it. Right. You have to be functional with the stuff that you have. That's what I feel like we definitely get from Joel's ability to plan and be ready for whatever is going to happen next. Um, so the closing shot of this uh, episode is through the window of Bill and Frank's bedroom. And we know what's in there. It's Bill and Frank. They're dead. We never see their bodies. Thank goodness. I, for a moment, I thought they were going to show them to us. And I am, I'm beyond grateful that they didn't because that's not the way that I feel like we're supposed to remember Bill and Frank. We're supposed to remember them as the almost star-crossed lovers, people that met each other at a time when the world was upside down and somehow managed to make true love work. I mean, it's just, it really, it, it, it's it's really important. It just, it hits me so hard. But the key point, well, not the key point, but a key point is the open window is actually a title screen in The Last of Us. That, it, it, it's a direct shout out to the game itself. Um, I really loved that the flowers were dying. You, not because it's the end of hope, but because it's just the end of Bill's story, Bill is the one that kept the flowers going. And because Bill is not there, the flowers aren't there. I don't know. There was just something so special and poignant about it that it made me feel like someone really loved this source material and was able to communicate that by putting this all together. It just really, it felt so honoring to the, uh, to the material. And through the bedroom window, we also see Ellie and Joel in the truck leaving. And that, again, is like, okay, you know, the, they're leaving everything again in order to make progress. I, I absolutely felt like it was just <laughs> intensely poignant. Um, oh, and, and Frank was played by Murray Bartley. Bless you. Right, right. Who, who, is, who is an award-winning actor by himself, right? Yes. Yeah, he he's won, won Emmy, Emmy for White Lotus. Right. He's and he, I mean he's really good. He's always been good in sort of everything. Um reminds uh, me of myself. So 
give me your final take on this episode, Kinte. Is there anything that we haven't talked about that you want to talk about? And is there anything important that you feel like we may have missed? No, uh, no, I thought uh, we did a great job uh, reviewing this episode. Uh, the episode was fantastic. And, um, I, you know, uh, well, I don't want to say nothing about the next one because we're going to cover that. But, um, you know, there were some talk about I, I knew that it's such a high bar that the next episode wasn't going to get as much love just because, you know, and um, but. But I, I, you know, that's really good that you can get to this height, you know, um, of a series. So hopefully, this ain't the high point, and then everything else is, uh, you know, low. But um, I thought I thought this was a great episode, and I'm looking forward to getting to the next one. And what about you, Tori? Is there anything that you feel like we missed, or is there anything that we didn't talk about that you wanted to talk about? No, oh, everything was covered. Like you go, girl. You you can <laughs> <laughs> you can review an episode really well. Um, I think the fantastic the episode was so fantastic, and it is going to be hard to come after that. And it, that's what she said. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> anyway, so uh, you know, I think that we uh, reviewed uh, every angle that I wanted to review, and I didn't even know. Well, I read your notes, but I didn't know that we were going to be on the same page on that, and that's cool. And I and I really like the the that they made them homosexual. Yeah, well, since they're two guys, there really wasn't any other way to make them. So, yeah, right. Um, but I'm uh, saying, like, I'm, I'm saying, like, that made it, like, to me, like, more uh, comforting. Really? Well, why couldn't they? I mean, if they, what if they were just two male friends? I mean, that's cool too. But I just feel like it's something special. Like, oh, uh, really? they found each other in the apocalypse. Like, it, it, it establishes love. The thing is, it establishes love. Yeah. It, it, and it's not that they're homosexual that establishes the love. It's everything else in the episode that establishes the love. It's the, it's the care that Frank gives Bill when Bill is shot. It's the care that Bill gives Frank when Frank right. is aging and having a difficult time. It is the dinner on the table that looks mm -hmm. immaculate every single time because Bill cares. That, like, that's the point. Right. Um, and and well, it think... certainly could have worked if it was a, a woman that Bill had met, but it wouldn't make sense in the game with if you're following the game because we already know that there is a Frank corpse hanging around someplace. <laughs> and so we but, have to tie that in. I mean, it, it, it could have been two friends though. I mean, if you think about Shawshank, yeah, you know, that's a love story between two platonic. They're, they had a bromance. Romance. You know? Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm glad they did what they did. I don't feel like there was any, yeah, I just feel like well, I don't think there's but, anything like negative about it. Like I wasn't talking about it to say like anything negative about it. I thought it was a great touch. I thought it was like a great, like garnish. Like it was, it was awesome to put in this episode and make it a, a focal point. So hmm. here's something that I think is, as I close out the episode, here's something that I definitely want to touch on real quick. Um, episode three of The Last of Us is very unique when it comes to storytelling principles. Um, it the, the flashback did not give us 
a lot of information about what happened during the 20 year period that the apocalypse has been going on. Right. And it doesn't really give us even any glimpse into um, any of the really anything other than the fact that there are raiders. I mean, we don't really see anything that we didn't see in the first or the second episode. We don't see any new versions of the cordyceps. We don't get a feel that like, you know, some crazy thing was happening during the time. We don't see any reorganization of Fedra or the fireflies or anything like that. What we get is a full picture of two people that live a lifetime within the apocalypse which is an important part i think of the storytelling in the last of us it is there are many of these stories that happen in the lifetime of the apocalypse and just because we don't know about them doesn't mean that they're not happening so this sort of sets up a background and a again, to use the same word, a world building experience for us so that we understand that there is still hope out there, that there is still human goodness out there, Mm -hmm. that not everything is negative and horrible and every person that you meet is probably going to try to kill you. I mean, that may be true, but we also know that the converse can be true too, which is you can meet people who can directly touch your heart and make you a better person for it too. And that I think is an essential aspect of the last of us altogether. It's all about what is in store. What's the hope? What do you keep going for? That's important. So uh I really want to thank everybody for being a part of this episode. I'm so sorry that uh, Josh couldn't be here, but I'm sure that, you know, in the next episode, we'll give him a chance to kind of recap uh, what he thought was important about episode three. And on our next episode, we're going to talk about Joel and Ellie now firmly on the road and listening to Hank Williams and on their way to Kansas City. Uh, This is definitely an intersection in the game where some interesting things happen. A lot of divergence from the game in this episode, but lots of cool stuff happening too. Um, And plenty of puns. So I'll be in my element. Uh, Thank you, Kinte. And thank you, Tori, for being here. Kinte, how can we find you on social media? Kinte F on Twitter and Kinte Ferguson on Instagram. All right. And Tori, how can we find you on social media? You can find me at Tori Rush on Facebook and Rush Tori on Instagram. Awesome. And you can find us next week on Thursday, same time, 8 o'clock Eastern, for the next episode of Talking the Last of Us, where we will go through episode four. And again, just for anyone who doesn't know, this coming week, uh, if you're listening to this in real time, episode five of The Last of Us will air on Friday so that it doesn't compete with the Super Bowl. So we'll get kind of an extra sneak peek. And I hear it's going to be crazy. So can't wait to see that. And I can't wait to talk about it. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Good night. Good night. Good night.